very kind. Well, a little backstory how how we got here. When we came back from Kenya uh, in 2008, uh, I was really saddened by um, several of our friends in church and acquaintances from college had divorced over that time. And then as we were here, uh, you know, the, the teens in our church had smartphones. And it was like, ah, we're, we're losing a battle here. And we've got, we've got the powerful word of God, but no one's opening it up. And uh, I, I got really upset. And I shouldn't say, you know, I was, I was just mad at the world and, and mad that we hadn't been preaching the word of God. And I grew up at a time, all right, uh, my grandmother threatened to slap my head off if I said pregnant, okay? That's, that's the household I grew up in, and we definitely didn't read Song of Solomon out loud, you know. And, and so there were just things in the church they were never, never <laughs> preached on. Scriptures never read. It was just, thou shalt not commit adultery, flee fornication. And that's, that's what I had going into the teen years, you know. And so we came back from Kenya in 2008. And like I said, it just broke my heart what I saw our friends going through. Um, and I'd been married eight years at that time. So it was like I, I knew the challenges of being married. And the tribe we worked with in Kenya, uh, well, that's a whole nother series of sermons there, all right? But um, uh, I guess it all started. The Lord burdened my heart that I needed as a pastor. I needed to address this. So I preached uh, a series of sermons, eight sermons, out of the book of Song of Solomon. And I, I week one was chapter one. And week two was chapter two. We had older folks in the church that regularly slept through my sermons, and they didn't sleep through those. <laughs> and I saw, I saw older people grin that had never grinned in my sermons before. And I did my best. You know, I, I tried to imagine what would it be like if my grandparents were here? How could I communicate to them the word of God in a way... They would take it on and not get, it up, not get up and walk out. Or afterward, my grandma would come up to me and be like, you know, because we all need to learn things as we mature through life. And, you know, and I'm 50 now, and it's like there's, there's still things I need to learn, still things I need to take on. So as we get into this, all right, I just want to share briefly, okay? I have three books here. I'm not selling them. I just want to recommend them, Okay. <laughs> Uh, this book, uh, Next Level by Adam Harshman, a simple book. You can read it in 20 minutes. Uh, wonderful advice to help with, the, with just beginning, beginning to make progress in intimacy in a marriage. Uh, this book, uh, Good Naked by Cindy Irwin. I believe it's wonderful because a lady wrote it and most like 99.9% .9 of commentaries are written by guys, okay? And so if you read this, you get a perspective from a lady. You get a perspective on Scripture from her heart, which is really good. It's very, very good, okay? Now, 
uh, I don't agree with everything she has to say, and she wouldn't agree with me either, okay? So, uh, so, but really a wonderful book, very helpful book. And then this book, uh, Sheet Music by Dr. Kevin Lehman. Uh, um, my grandparents would have been like, they'd have had trouble handling this book, all right? But what, what's happening in our world today, um, the people need to know this, all right? And so it's something you could read on your own time. If you know someone's struggling or, or you're having difficulties or you're like, where, where do I begin? Or, or, well, my spouse wouldn't even read a book, all right? Well, start with, start with just this little book, okay? 20-minute read, seven basic steps to help, the, and it'd be helpful for anyone's marriage, all right? But the best book of all is the Word of God. So that's what I'm going to share from tonight. And the Word of God is rich. And there's many scriptures that we pastors haven't preached from and haven't expounded on. And like I've, I've talked with Steve, I don't know how many centuries it's been this way, but if we're not willing to, to educate and to inform our youth, all right, they will be informed from this. All right, and it, and it leads down a pretty dark path. And so I want to hold forth the word of God and encourage us in that. Let me begin with a word of prayer. Lord God, bless each one and give me your words to speak. And Lord, put your message and your thoughts into the heart of your people so that we can be safe in our relationships, in our marriage relationships, safe from the evils of this world, and secure in our love in you, Lord. We thank you for your grace and goodness. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. To begin with, we need to start all the way at Genesis and think, why were we created? We were created for relationship. And God looked down on Adam and said, this isn't a good situation for Adam. To think for a moment that, that God would look at his relationship with Adam and then say, this is not good. Now, that borders on, on us thinking that's, that's blasphemous to say this relationship between man and God is not good enough. But that's what God saw, and that's what he said, that it is not good for man to be alone. So he created Eve. And that's a sacred relationship that God created because he saw it. It wasn't good for man to just be alone on his own. He needed a helpmeet. He needed relationship. And this relationship, husbands, that we have with our wives and wife with your husband, it helps us understand our relationship with God. Throughout Scripture, Genesis to Revelation, it helps us understand how God <laughs> loves us. And so the more we understand from this relationship, all right, the more we un understand, the better our relationship ought to be with the Lord. God's Word, it's a gift to help guide us, even in intimacy, in our relationship with our wife. So in, in Scripture, Scripture says, be fruitful and multiply. There's God's direction, his first direction. Now, as I read Scripture, that's the first words that God gave to Adam and Eve. All right? You, you study your Scripture. See if there's any other words that come before that. But as I read Scripture, he says, be fruitful and multiply. That's his first words to mankind. And then immediately following that, 
Immediately following that, he tells them, don't eat of the forbidden fruit. So he gives them, he's, he gives them direction on the good, and he gives them direction on what to abstain from. Sadly, in our church, it, it's often the message, abstain from this, and thou shalt not. And it's not the direction on the good. Be fruitful in this relationship that God's given us. Now, if, if you're thinking, we ought not be dealing with this in church, all right, remember this. Scripture tells us every word of God is pure. As I read Scripture, don't think what my grandmother would be thinking, okay? And I'll try to put those thoughts aside. You know, her hand would be like, I'll get you, all right? Put those thoughts aside and then think every word of God is pure. Every word of God directs us to love the Lord and to understand him. And then to think, why do we see, why do we see such trouble even in our churches, even amongst friends who have been believers for many years? Well, a scripture comes to mind from Hosea. And if we think of Hosea's time and all the difficulties of that, that time in scripture, a scripture comes to mind that says, my people perish for lack of knowledge. They don't know how to act. They don't know my word. They don't know the right relationship. And so that's where I, I want to begin with. Now, for someone who might be a believer and say, well, my past uh, will always taint anything forward. Remember this scripture. There is, therefore now, no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. If, if you're thinking this thing in my past or this event or this trauma uh, it, it'll never i'll never get a victory over that stop yourself for a moment and say all right i'm not condemned i'm not condemned in in any sin and even in this area of my life and i believe this is one of the most difficult areas to overcome a a past challenge or trauma or abuse very challenging all right the, in reading cindy Irwin and Dr. Lehman, it's like this takes special care. If something's happened in your life in this matter, um, seek out help. Don't be afraid to seek out help. Uh, something to encourage you, if something's happened in the past and you know it's affecting you and it has affected you, write this in your notes. Uh, the book of Ruth, chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. It's the blessing pronounced on Ruth and Boaz by the elders in the gate. And this blessing mentions Judah and Tamar. Now, for, for those of us that, that uh, have read our scripture and we know the Bible really well, and you think, Judah and Tamar, how can anything blessed come out of that? That's, that's a, you know, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon, a positive sermon on the story of Judah and Tamar, all right? It's always pointing fingers, bad, 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 don't let this happen to you, stay clear of that. But here in the book of Ruth, the elders pronounce a blessing on Ruth and Boaz, and they mention Judah and Tamar. So if, if you're in a position and you're like, I can never move past this one thing, stop yourself for a moment and say, all right, I'll read this blessing pronounced on Ruth and Boaz, and then I'll say, Lord, help me understand how I can have blessings ahead. That'll just be something for you to think on uh, in the future and discuss it with your spouse, all right? It's just a, a, a great topic of discussion. 
uh, I invited my boys to, to come tonight. Erica was like, boys, why wouldn't you, you know, wouldn't you like to come to, with your dad? And they're like, we have gotten so much here at home, Mom. We don't, we don't need any more. We don't want to be embarrassed. You know, we'll do our thing tonight. So anyways, uh, there's a lot of good things from God's word here. And they might be challenging, might be difficult, but I hope they'll be helpful in our lives. The, the first main scripture, the first main thing that I want us to think on this evening is from Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 4. In Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse 4, scripture says, He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. In Hebrew, in Hebrew, the word love is ahava. So picture in the, in the wedding banquet, a bride is seated, and above the bride is a beautiful banner, and on that banner is written the word ahava. The Hebrew word ahava, or I guess it should be this way, ahava. What does that mean? You know, I can't recall one message on ahava. What does ahava mean? Ahava means this. Well, Hebrew is difficult. Some Hebrew scholars and rabbis say, well, it means this. And others say it means that. There, there's a lot of disagreement on, on the true meanings of Hebrew. But as I take it, ahava means I give love. It's like we might use the word charity. Okay, we can just say love, all right, but that, that can be just a word. But charity is usually, this comes with an action. This comes with, with gifts. This comes with obligations. And so the banner, ahava, ahava means I give this woman uh, sustenance. I give this woman uh, a place to live. And I also give this woman an intimate relationship. Not purely physical, but a relationship that we interact and we know each other and we are intimate as well. That's the meaning of Ahava. It, ahava helps us understand God's love toward us, agape love in the Greek. It helps us understand when man loves God. But often this is an imperfect way because, you know, we love God until we can't see him or until we have doubts, or until our faith wavers. But the word ahava is still used for how we love God. And then ahava is used in Song of Solomon to describe this love, this desire, this commitment between a husband and wife. How do we show this love? Or how do we, how do we express this? All right, In Song of Solomon chapter 7 and verse 1. I've always wanted to use this scripture in a sermon. I had a friend in college who uh, he would just walk around and, and the different friends we had, he would just say, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes? And he laughed at that time. We thought that was funny, but he wasn't married at that time. Okay? And so here, Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, how beautiful are thy feet with shoes, O prince's daughter. The joints of thy thighs are like jewels, the work of the hands of a cunning workman. Here in, in chapter 7, Solomon is describing his desire for his bride. And she is beautiful 
from, from her feet with shoes all the way to the top of her head. Everything about her is beautiful. He's communicating his desire for his wife. And if you doubt that, if you doubt, is he really communicating his desire? Well, in verse 10, Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 10, Scripture says, I and my beloved, and his desire is toward me. He's letting his bride know he desires her. So, husbands, you need to communicate your desire to your wife, whatever it is about her, her feet and shoes, her hair, or anything else. You need to let her know your desire. You need to talk about this. It's written in Scripture. We have this guide in chapter 7, how we might communicate our desire. Does everything have to be sensual or physical? No. I believe many ladies appreciate hearing we desire them even in ways like the Proverbs 31 woman, how she cares for the household, how she's wise in her decisions. If we, if we find her physically attractive, we should also find her attractive in her mind and in her person. It's an important thing. And ladies, same way with the men. But here in this chapter, all the desire is going toward the bride. And this is an important thing to communicate one with another. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard sermons and pastors, and, and they've joked and kind of tongue-in-cheek said, yes, we have folks in our church, and, and they say, I told my wife I loved her when I married her, and if it ever changes, I'll let her know that too. You know, it's like, no. They need to hear this very regularly especially if you would want things to go well. This communication, <laughs> this communication needs to be there. So communicate your desire. It is godly to do this in your marriage relationship. Our desire is blessed. It should be satisfied. It shouldn't be left wondering, well, they might desire another. Or I wonder... Uh, I wonder if I need to search their history or, or look through their history to wonder where their desire's gone to. This desire is an important thing between husband and wife because, as in the Garden of Eden, forbidden fruit is just over there. Forbidden fruit is very close in any of our lives, especially in this day and time. If you're wondering, okay, how, how can I communicate my desire? Talk about it with your spouse. Just begin. Some simple thing. Begin there. And then to show your desire, all right, in some of the things that I read and also scripturally, one of the best things to do is just hug your spouse. Hug your spouse. Uh, a long, strong embrace is one of the best things that you could do. It, it kind of leaves both people with, this is a nice, secure feeling, and either we can follow it up or we can, we can rest in this embrace and then carry on with what we had planned already. Another good thing is a simple kiss on the forehead. Again, no obligation, but communicating, I desire to be near you, and you're a blessing to me. Good places to begin with our desire. Awakening to desire. In the world we live in, I believe our media and our entertainment are always trying to awaken our desire. 
in the world we live in, you know, well, it, it's mostly called arousal in our world, in our circles. And I believe advertisers and media are always trying to spark our arousal. But your arousal or your awakening is something God-given that should be exclusively for your spouse. So I want us to look at, at Song of Solomon chapter 5 and verse 2. And I want to encourage you, take this very seriously between you and your spouse. I don't know if, uh, if it's ever happened to you, if you're married, all right, and uh, your spouse either says something to you or gives you a look or um, does something, and you're like, all right, I, I know what they want, but, you know, all right, I'll just go on. And you kind of ignore that signal or you ignore that special thing. Take that seriously, because like I said, our media and our advertising is always trying to awaken our arousal. So be sensitive to what your spouse is communicating. Song of Solomon chapter 5 and verse 2. Here's a good scripture to help us to understand this. I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled. For my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drop of the night. I've put off my coat. How shall I put it on? I have washed my feet. How shall I defile them? My beloved put his hand by the hole of the door, and my bowels were moved for him. I rose up to open to my beloved, and my hands dropped with myrrh, and my fingers with the sweet-smelling myrrh upon the handles of the lock. I opened to my beloved, but my beloved had withdrawn himself and was gone. My soul failed when he spake. I sought him, but I could find him not, could not find him. I called, but he gave me no answer. The watchmen that went about the city found me. They smote me. They wounded me. The wall took away my veil from me. I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, if ye find my beloved, tell, tell ye that ye tell him that I am sick of love. I take this scripture here as the husband arrives with his desire. He knocks at the door to awaken his bride. But there are thoughts in her head. I'm already prepared for bed. I've washed my feet. Now if I, I, if I walk across the floor barefoot, I'll be unclean. Things are going on in her head. But by the time that's sorted out and she makes it to the door... He's impatient, and he's already left. And she realizes she's missed this opportunity to meet her beloved, so she goes about, about the city. And what happens in the city? There's wounding. There's regret. And so looking at, at this scripture like a poem, we need to be wise and attentive to the arousal of our spouse, to the desire of our spouse, and then be willing to arise to that. Say, all right, I'll take, I'll take him or her seriously at this time. I, I won't just say, well, uh, you know, it could be a better time. Or, you know, usually I need this or that. Take this seriously. Probably one of the best things for ladies. Here in this scripture, it communicates, before she arises and goes to the door, there are thoughts in her head. She's prepared herself for bed. She doesn't want to defile her feet. Ladies, if I could encourage you, turn some switches off. 
uh, your minds are always racing about things that are important in your life, in your household. So, so make a, a serious effort to turn some things off. Or, or as my wife says, uh, clip off spaghetti strings. And don't let those just run all over the place. Say, oh, all right, he's knocked at the door. I need to be present here. And men, for us, be patient at the door. Don't say, well, I knocked, and it's been 20 seconds. All right, be patient. Converse about this. Talk with your beloved about this. Not awakening to your spouse, I really do believe it leaves a sense of loss and wounding in our lives. To be rejected, to be rejected in an intimate, in, intimate way is very difficult for either husband or wife. So take this seriously. If you have difficulty awakening or, or being aroused by your spouse, all right, this is something that I believe it, it is a wise thing to seek out godly counsel. I know a few folks very close to me who uh, had a very uh, tumultuous marriage until they went to Christian counseling. And at Christian counseling, things got better, things got better, things got better, and they've been married for over 50 years now. But there was a point in their life, uh, divorce seemed in, imminent. But with counseling, they were able to communicate and talk about how they desired each other. And they just couldn't express how to tell the, the other person they needed them and when they needed them. And so this is a good thing. This scripture here helps us to see some of these, these things that would be important for us to learn. All right. So make sure you discuss your desire. Discuss how you awaken or how you might be aroused. If your spouse doesn't know this or you haven't talked about this, these are wonderful things that Scripture right here has before us. These are things you can talk about. You know, set up your own little signal, even if it is in public. Set up some little thing where you can look at each other or do something, and they know what you're thinking. Many couples already have these signals, okay? But if you don't, I believe it's wise to do this. It's wise, you know, to look across the room, and you see your husband or your wife, and it's like, all right, it's time for me to go. Thanks for the invitation, you know, and you'll be gone just shortly, just from some signal with your spouse. I believe that's an important thing for you to have. Here's some, uh, some things that I've learned about desire and arousal in, in men and women and things that I feel are important for us to know. Gentlemen, our desire is closely tied to the hormone testosterone. This hormone is released into our bodies as we sleep. When we get good rest between 2 and 4 a.m., that's when we get it. This hormone is broken down by stress horm hormones, and this hormone testosterone is held in, our, in the muscles of our body. So as we age, we have less and less of this, and as we, uh, as we lose muscle mass, we keep less and less of this. So uh, for those of us men aging, okay, it's good to get good rest, keep stress low in your life, and exercise. Let me add here, uh, there are two schools of thought on pornography 
amongst psychologists. One school views pornography like cocaine on your brain in the realm of sexuality, that it, it will mess us up. Another, another school of thought in psychology says it's just another thing to help us along. We know where scripture stands on that. It's not good for us. It's destructive. There, there have been many elder men who this has been a problem with, and they've tried to encourage younger men, don't go down this road. Ladies, your desire is very complicated. It's largely based on relationship. Largely based on your feelings of security with your spouse. So men, uh, this isn't as easy for us to figure out as it is for the ladies to figure out, okay? Ladies, you can just count on us men, you know, at 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, uh, our body is primed, okay? But men, on the other hand, to look at your wife and say, when might I catch her at the best time to suggest something fun? Her whole makeup is largely based on her relationships. So, men, it would be wise of us to help communicate that we want relationship with our wife. Not just physical. We want to know what's going on in her head and in her heart. We want to know about her desires with us and also her desires with her children and her job and her future. All of these things are tied into making her feel secure like you've really embraced the whole person. As she shares some things, if you're communicating and you're trying to get her to tell you about, about her day and what's important to her, as she begins to share things, don't try to be a fixer. Just listen. Let her share about, about what she desires to do in life. And if it's not about you, all right, if it's not about you or, or how strong you are or, or uh, you know, what you did in the week, that's okay. Just let her share. I believe uh, uh, with, in my own marriage, some of the, the best evenings I've had at home have been after I've sat and listened with my wife and we've communicated back and forth and I've thought, well, uh, we talked a lot about bees and Latin and um, all, and the kids, all right, you know. But then the next thing, well, everything works out well after that. All right. <coughs> Ladies, think on this. Learn how to turn off switches in your mind, things that aren't important for you to think about when your husband might be communicating desire or might be desiring to know your desires or your awakening. Men learn how to give compliments without them being dirty compliments. Okay? Learn how to, learn how to say, oh, uh, the house smells wonderful. Uh, nothing's burnt tonight. Okay? <laughs> if you ever make comments like that, just say, all right, uh, I cannot do that anymore. Okay? Genuine compliments, all right? Genuine compliments. Here's a, here's a good thought. Desire communion of minds, okay? This is, kind of, this is kind of large language, but desire communion of minds 
before consummation of bodies. Now, if we think about that, that's the situation of the church right now. We take communion in church. We're waiting for consummation one day. That's how a husband needs to be in seeking after his wife. Desire a communion of minds before a consummation of bodies. Ladies, keep a positive mindset about yourself, physically, and who you are. This world is horrible in tearing you down, saying uh, you've lost your, your youth, you've lost your figure, and you're not as successful as this woman on this TV show or in this movie. You are who God created you to be, and you are to be beautiful throughout your life, and your husband needs to communicate that to you. God communicates that the bride is beautiful throughout the book of Song of Solomon. There is not one word in Song of Solomon that, that disparages or says anything negative about the beauty of the bride, except that you are beautiful in the eyes of the Lord and you're beautiful to your husband. Another thing, ladies, I've, I've been very saddened as I've talked to a few others who were willing to share with me and my wife. I've been very saddened about how some ladies, as they matured and as they were married, they had no help from their family. They had no help from ladies in the church in letting them know what to expect or the different stages they might go through in life. So in the book of uh, Titus, chapter 2, verse 4, Scripture tells us the aged women should teach the younger women. And if that hasn't happened for you, seek out a, a godly woman that will be willing to share with you some things you need to know as a woman as you go through stages in life. And ladies, if, if you feel like you've learned a lot and you've, you've uh, gleaned a lot of wisdom from others, be willing to share that with other ladies. Also in the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 2, uh, the bride says that she would go to her mother who would teach her, who would teach her to love her beloved. So it's in the Old Testament and it's in the New Testament. And for any, for any Christian lady to say, we'll just not talk of those things. We'll let them figure them out on their own. Where do you think kids will go to figure out things on their own? So ladies, help, help our young ladies be prepared. You know, just recently, some ladies have come to my wife and said, are you ready for the next stage of life? And I appreciate that they've talked with her. I appreciate that they've, they've shared with her. All right, so now transfer this all the way down to our young ladies. As they're beautiful little girls, and as they begin to mature, give them the advice and the knowledge that they need to feel beautiful all the way through. It's an important thing. Trust God and trust your husband that you are beautiful, that you are desired as you mature, as you go through stages in life. Don't be deceived by forbidden fruit. Your spouse is all the fruit that you will ever need in life. You don't need anything else outside of that. You don't need the forbidden fruit of the garden. Adam and Eve didn't need it, and it ruined them. And we don't need it at this day and time. 
If you find that there is a desire, if you find that, that you're awakening and your spouse doesn't know it, you need to begin talking about this. You need to begin conversing about this. So the next word that I want us to look at is yada. Yada. To know and be known. To reveal and to be received. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, Scripture says, And Adam knew his wife, and she conceived, and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Here in Genesis... Uh, and throughout Scripture, there's a, a common Hebrew word used to explain uh, consummation or used to explain intimacy, and it's that Hebrew word yada, which in English we take it to mean to know or I have known. Now, to understand how important this word is, it's also used in, in Scriptures like in, in Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. It's the same word, just used in a different context. To know and understand God, to know and understand your wife, to, to reveal yourself to your spouse, and as God reveals himself to us. It's the way we ought to, to understand one another in relationships, but especially in intimate relationships. Uh, Cindy Irwin, in her book, I believe... She did a very good job of this, helping us understand this word yada. And those of you that were at the, the conference a few years ago, it was like I, I sat and listened to her speak on this, and I thought, I've been a believer since I was 10 years old, and I have never had anyone tell me this. And so this is a powerful word, yada. Ways we can understand yada. All right, here's how, here's how we try to understand it in English. Here's how we try to understand it in our, in our modern world. We understand it with these words, Congress. What's Congress mean? A meeting to know problems and propose solutions. A meeting of the minds, which leads to another word, intercourse. What's intercourse? To reveal thoughts and ideas. See, we use similar words to describe something very important intellectually, but then if we shift it over, all of a sudden, if we shift it over to the realm of sexuality, we think it means something completely different. When these words should have a full meaning, we meet together that we know one another, and not just physically, but to know one another in heart and a very, in, a, in a very deep way. Scripture also says uh, a way to understand this, the two become one flesh. There's great meaning in that simple phrase. Another way to understand this is consummation. The meaning of consummation is a completing, a fulfillment, a conclusion. These are powerful words, powerful words, and you sure won't get them off watching, you know, the regular trash off your phone. Right. These are words, it takes some time and some thought to think, wow, this is really how God wants to know us, and this is how God wants us to know our spouse in these ways, these very deep ways. Another, another way to understand this is procreation, which also means fruitful or blessed. And to die to this or to settle for less is not consummation. 
It's not the fulfilling of what God made us to do. Honor one another's desires. Honor one another as they communicate what might be needed. Sometimes we say, well, that was for a certain time, and that, that's only you know, for young people. Or If you ever have any thoughts like that, all right, look to Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 18. Here scripture says, let thy fountain be blessed and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and the pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. Now there's five positive words throughout this. Blessed, rejoiced, loving, pleasant, and ravished are all used in these two verses to describe a wonderful relationship here. And when, do this, when does this happen? This happens from youth until always. Okay? So if anyone ever doubts, well, that time is past. No, always has not passed until we're on the other side of the grass or we've gone to see the Lord. Always hasn't passed until our life here is over. Her love is to always ravish you. Ravish meaning to carry away. So discuss this, all right? If there's some challenge here or, or someone has said, well, you know, that was for... Discuss this scripture and say, I believe always should mean always. And yes, uh, my youth is past, and my youth is past, but I don't know how many years are ahead, and I'm thankful that scripture says always. Now, how do we discuss these things? Desire, awakening, yada. Even when things might be difficult, Timing might be off. We might miss each other. We might be busy. How do we discuss this? I believe probably one of the best scriptures to guide us on how we might discuss this with our spouse is 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13 gives us the right heart to discuss what might be a difficult, sensitive situation. Uh, something that Cindy Irwin uh, points out in her book is never argue about intimacy. When you drift over into the realm of arguments about intimacy, Satan has won. Instead of you becoming closer together, you're now driving each other apart. And that's not what God wants. Uh, a good way to approach this is read through 1 Corinthians 13 and then say, all right, I'll pick this point. Charity suffereth long and is kind. I'll deal with this in a kind way. One of, one of my favorite words to expound on out of 1 Corinthians 13. In the King James, it says, Charity vaunteth not itself. Now, most, I had to study what vaunteth means. All right. What it means is you don't show up to an argument to demand your opponent's surrender. You don't show up to an argument just to prove you're right. A vaunt courier went and demanded the surrender of the opposing army. And you don't do that to your spouse. You don't do that to people you love. The sixth point I have here is shakab. To understand the Hebrew word shakab. <laughs> Throughout scripture, when scripture deals with intimacy, we'll have to know Adam knew his wife. All right, And then another scripture is to lie with. We need to understand that because this is a powerful thing in our life 
And, and there are times one spouse or the other might need to go to the other and say, I need this. And you need to be taken seriously. In Genesis chapter 30, verse 16 and 17, here scripture says, And Jacob came out of the field in the evening, and Leah went out to meet him and said, Thou must come in unto me, for surely I have hired thee with my son's mandrakes. And he lay with her that night. And God hearkened unto Leah, and she conceived and bare Jacob the fifth son. Now hold your place there in Scripture. This is one spouse coming to the other and saying, I, I need you. There's nowhere else to go with my desire. There's nowhere else to go with my awakening. There's nowhere else to go with my relationship. And I need this. And we need to understand this. Leah pursued her desire, and she purchased her husband. I believe he was completely clueless that she needed this. I believe that, that he was going about his day. You know, if we read through Scripture, his affections were mainly for Rachel. His relationship maybe was fulfilled in Rachel, and he'd forgotten about this other. Now, this is complicated in Scripture, but we see where God blesses this. God blesses this. And so Jacob met his obligation, and this is to be taken seriously. I believe this isn't, this isn't the ideal the ideal in Scripture is yada, to seek after that. But if your spouse ever comes to you and says, I need this, take them seriously. And take this story of Jacob and Leah and say, Lord, help me to understand this. This Scripture also fits in with 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verses 3 through 5. 1 Corinthians 7, 3 through 5. Let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence, and likewise the wife also unto her husband. The wife hath not power over her own body, but the husband, and likewise also the husband hath not power of his own body, but the wife. Defraud ye not one another, except it be with consent for a time, that ye may give yourselves to fasting and prayer, and come to a, together again, that Satan tempt you not for your incontinency. It, it's kind of like um, both parties are equally indemnified, okay, in legal jar jargon there. Each one has the same protection. He will take care of her, and she will take care of him. No one has <laughs> greater right than the other. They both meet each other's needs. And it's capped off with that phrase, defraud ye not one another. Defraud not. Fulfill your obligations. Imagine it this way, all right? If there's a difficulty here, all right, and, and I believe from time to time, any normal couple, there would be difficulty, all right? But imagine it this way. There being only one bank in town, a beautiful bank, wonderful, wonderful building, and everybody's like, wow, that's a beautiful bank. But you can't make deposits, and you can't make withdrawals. And your life begins to shut down because their transactions can't be made. All right, that, that's the only way I can think to explain it. A bank, but you can't deposit and you can't withdraw. And that's how the marriage relationship gets if we defraud one another. It's not what God would have. The Lord would have us <coughs> secure and in repose in our relationship with our spouse. 
as I studied and I tried to find a good word to describe fulfillment of this intimate relationship, I came across repose. But repose is a word that we just don't use it. We just don't have a word to, that, that is strong enough to, to define a secure relationship that you can take rest in and know it's there today and it'll be there tomorrow and it will be there always. A scripture that I have for this is Song of Solomon chapter 1 and verse 13. Here scripture says, A bundle of myrrh is my well-beloved unto me. He shall lie all night betwixt my breast. That close embrace. You're together where you ought to be. And it's secure. It's safe. Repose is like home is where the heart is. It's like a man. He can't wait to get home. Instead of stopping by the the bar or instead of stopping by where all his pals are, he says, work's over. I'm going straight home. He has repose marriage. Uh, a wife, instead of finishing her duties for the day and the, and the girls all go to do their thing, okay? I know what guys do. You know, we'll go fish and hunt and hang out at bars. Ladies, all right, wherever your lady friends might go, you might say, no, I'd rather be at home this evening. And you're secure in that. You're at peace in that. You're at rest in that. Dying men, dying men want to either be with their mother or their wife. The repose of that secure relationship at death. That's how powerful this is. This is what the Lord would have us have in our life. Back in Genesis chapter 30 and verse 20, just to, uh, just to encourage us to think about how we can fulfill our spouse and how powerful the obligation is for us to fulfill that. Genesis chapter 30, verse 20, Scripture says, And Leah said, God hath endued me with a good dowry. Now will my husband dwell with me, because I have borne him six sons. And she called his name Zebulun. See, after she purchased her husband and demanded of him that he fulfill his obligation and lie with her, God blessed her. To say, that wasn't right what she did. No, God proved that it was right because she she was blessed with a son. And what did she desire? Well, in verse 20, it says, she desired that her husband dwell with her. She didn't have that before. Jacob's thoughts and and his desire were somewhere else, with his flocks, maybe with, with Rachel, but they weren't with Leah, and that's what she desired. That repose of relationship. Jacob probably had no idea that Leah desired this. And this is where the communication between a husband and wife needs to be strong enough that we can say, are you secure? Yes, I'm secure. Or as one or the other of us go through phases in life, as I age, all right, as I age, I I let my wife know that I love her even though uh, I'm older and I'm not 25 anymore or 30, or whatever it was. I still let her know I'm desired, and I awaken to her. Let her hear your voice. Let her hear your communication. Let it go both ways in your relationship. 
I want to read from Song of Solomon chapter 8 and verse 12. And here's a scripture that I believe, I believe it, it communicates a longing for the repose in Song of Solomon. <clears throat> Song of Solomon chapter 8, verses 12 and 13. My vineyard, which is mine, is before me. Thou, O Solomon, must have a thousand, and those that keep the fruit thereof two hundred. Thou that dwellest in the gardens, the, command, the companions hearken to thy voice. Cause me to hear it. If we think on Solomon's life, we know for a fact that he had, what, 700 wives, 300 concubines. He had a 1,000 commitments. Here she writes about that he has a 1,000 vineyards. Isn't that, isn't that polite of her to not write about his liaisons, but to write about his vineyards instead? I believe that's very kind of her to do that. But where does she want him? She wants him in her garden. And someone else isn't keeping her garden. No eunuchs in her garden. No servants in her garden. Just herself, tending her garden for herself. And she just wants her husband to come and hear her voice. Husbands, if you ever doubt how important building a relationship is with your wife, hearing what she has to say, hearing about her day, hearing her thoughts, her concerns, who she is. If you ever doubt how important it is for you to speak to her and you listen to her, let this verse sink in. Cause me to hear your voice. There's no other garden blessed like your garden, the secret garden of love of Yada. Remember these words, ahava, to give and to be given. That's the commitment you made at marriage. Desire. Tell your desire to one another. Talk about that. Discuss it. If, if you haven't talked about that, it's a good place to begin. Talk about your awakening or your arousal for one another. That's a good thing for spouses to share with one another. Come up with a, a signal that you can have. Okay? Come up with something that, that you know you know and you understand they've awakened. Now, will I answer them? Will I go to the door or will I be impatient? Or will I learn to be patient? Things that we need to learn. Learn yada, to know and be known, to reveal and to be received. Be secure in that. And learn repose. Learn to rest and not allow shame in the blessed uh, marriage relationship that God's given you. The spouse is the only one that God's given you to be blessed with in intimate love. Take that seriously. There's no other one to meet these needs. There's no other one that you ought to share your desire with. There's no other one that you ought to be aroused to. Only with your spouse. Only in that secure relationship. Learn what a treasure they are. Ahava, the gift of my commitment. That's a powerful, strong treasure until death. And God wants us to know all of this so that we can understand him better. I want to read from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 to 33. I love this scripture because for, for someone who, who might uh, pride themselves in their theological knowledge and, sh and, and say, well, you shouldn't have shared all of that, Brother Bob. 
You know, that, that's a bit over the line there. Well, let me finish with this scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 31 to 33. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as his self, and see, the wife that, see that the wife reverence her husband. Do you see? He's talking about Christ and the church and the husband and wife in the same verses, in the same kind of way. It ought to be such a secure relationship. There's no need to go anywhere else to other gods. There's no need to go to any other person. Secure in that blessed relationship that God's given us. Reverence one another in this and reverence God in this. Let's close with a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for all of your love and your goodness toward us. Thank you for the spouse that you've blessed us with. And Lord, help us to learn from your word. Lord, if we need help, give us courage to seek out books or even counselors. And Lord, those that need to impart wisdom to younger generations, those that need to teach others, Lord, give them pure words and wise words to help children to help youth, to help those that might be confused or those that might be deceived. Lord, give us wisdom as we share your truth with others. We thank you for your son, Jesus. And we thank you that you're preparing a place for us to come again and receive us unto yourselves, Lord. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Pastor Steve.